and all of us, actually. So crack on with that. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we can gather together. Thank you that we can hear your word preached. Um, thank you that we can have fun, we can encounter you, and we can do all of it together. And I just ask that you would fill Matt right now um, with peace and confidence, knowing that he's your boy, just sharing with family. Um, and the beautiful privilege and responsibility with that, but just knowing he's your son. And Lord, would you open up our hearts right now to hear from you? Would you make our hearts soft and our minds quick and attentive to what you're saying to us? Amen. Should I hit it? Oh, there we go. I'm on now. Right. I'll, oh, no, I broke the clip. No. It's going to work. Hang on a minute. Oh, no. I haven't worked with, um, I haven't done many seminars on preaching, but I'm sure they say don't work with kids or props. <laughs> <laughs> but here we go. It'll either go well or we'll have stories to tell in the future. Oh, I added water as well, just, uh, this is a trifecta, I'll get a bill on Monday, but, right, I'll grab mine, right, kids, who knows the story of the wise and foolish builder, oh, I see that, Nadia nodded, do you know it, Nadia, right, well, I'll share it for everyone else, just so we all know. So this is, um, this is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus sat down and kind of spelt out a whole bunch of stuff that was pretty much key to how we live our lives. And at the very end, he said this. He said, therefore, every, anyone or everyone who hears the word of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. This is the house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now we have sand. The rain came down, the streams, rose up, the streams rose up, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Oh, no, the wind blew on, also blew on the rock, but it didn't fall down. So, in our lives, what do we think building a Does anyone know what building a house on a rock is? Do, do you know, Nadia? Do you want to have a... Do you want to say... Yeah, there's our foundation. So that's like building our lives around Jesus, isn't it? And what the Bible says. And what's, what's building our life on sand? Does anyone know what that is? Is there a song, Tom? Ah, big rocks. Yeah. So the sand is when we don't follow Jesus and we don't base our lives on what he says. Good standing, baby. And they... um. And what happens is when the wind comes, well, we'll find out, shall we? Shall we find out when the wind and the water comes? What do you think will happen? Who thinks this one will be okay? Yep, we're, we're pretty consistent. Well, I'm 50-50, but <laughs> you guys are more confident than me on this one. But who thinks 
the sand will, the house on the sand will be okay. Because the house on the sand looks pretty solid to me, like it's not going anywhere. So let's try it, shall we? <laughs> let's see what happens. God grant me grace. Right. Whoa, look what happened on the rock on the, nothing happened. What happens if we do the sand? Oh, no. Oh. Now, what that means is when we build a house on the rock, when trouble times come, and unfortunately in our lives, sometimes things don't go to plan, do they? Like mummy, your daddy tells you to go to bed or, you know, you stub your toe or something. You know, thing, things don't quite plan, go how you plan, but if your house is, if your, your foundation is in Jesus, it means that you don't crumble, you just kind of, you can withstand these things. And so that's kind of the whole point of what we're talking about. And really, I could probably just go home now because we're done for everyone. But <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to now share a bit more for the other people in the room. Now, you guys are welcome to stay, or if you want to, or you, you get a bit restless, Caleb's going to put on something out in the um, cafe lounge, so you, or cafe, or cafe lounge? Cafe lounge. So you guys are welcome to go out there whenever you want, and then there'll be some activities and some fun things to do there. So it's up to your parents what you do. But um, thanks, guys, for coming down, and hopefully this, this showed you a bit about what the story's about. Right. That was a nice wee intro into what we're talking about. Um, hopefully we all got some... Oh. Oh, Brody. So pretty much that is it. It's going to be about what are our foundations, how do we build our lives. Now, when... Um, when... Uh, what... I have blank. Pastor Paul. I was about to say Pastor John, and I felt that was wrong. So when Pastor Paul asked me about this, he's like, I want you to talk about the wise and foolish builder. And I'm like, oh. Up until now, I've really, I've come and said, hey, I want to talk about this. And it's like, yep, but now he's actually given me something. And so I took it away. I, I pondered it, and I've come up with a few key things. And so I'm, I'm really excited, actually, that um, we get a chance to share. But before I share, I want to, um, I want to acknowledge my wife and family. Because it takes time to do, to prepare a message like this. And my wife and kids didn't get to see as much of me as they wanted to because, you know, I had, to, I had to drill down and I had to actually find out about what we're talking about today. So I want to acknowledge Nikki and Nara and Gracie because they gave me that freedom so I could bring this message. And I think so often we just see the person at the front and don't realize that there is a price to pay, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying because my wife is the reason I'm here today. She built these amazing things. I was stressing out, and then there were houses and sand and everything, so it's like, she is my rock, and in some aspects, but not in the biblical sense. Right. <laughs> just, just to clarify, right, we've got, um, we've got some key points that we can... So, Apparently, it's good to know where we're going so that you guys aren't trying to work it out. Uh, a wise man said that yesterday, and I've, I've embraced it. <laughs> so, what I hope we'll take away from today is we're going to know what a good foundation looks like. That seems simple enough. 
we're going to know what a bad foundation looks like. Unfortunately, it will probably hit home for some or most of us. Um, we're going to learn how to measure the quality of our foundations. And lastly, we're going to learn how to rebuild damaged foundations. And that's the bit I'm looking forward to because that's where the growth is. So um, as, I was, as I was preparing and as I was kind of wrestling with this, um, I, got a, I got a word for someone. And I was, I was wrestling with it and I had this, this feeling come over me of, of worthlessness, of, of just everything closing in. And I've felt this before because this talk is based on me feeling this before and overcoming it. And as I, was, as I was in this moment, I'm like, why am I feeling this? I know what this is, but I've, I'm free of this. And then as I, was, as I was searching the Lord, I said, Lord, why? He showed me that this is just for someone else. And so as soon as I realized this is a word for someone, it, it was lifted from me. And it showed me that you know, there are people here today. I believe there's at least one person who's, who feels that, that overwhelmingness just pressing in on them, who feels like, no matter what they do, they can't get out of it. They're just in mud, and they're just trying to move. And I believe the Lord would say today that there is freedom. I want to speak that over your life today, that the Lord would say that there is freedom from that. And as we go through this, I hope that you will see a path out of that. And so I just want to speak that because I felt the Lord tell me that that, is, that, it, that needs to be said. So um, we'll, we'll start at the start on verse four, uh, 24. Now, this is a recap, but I'm, it's, it's a lot because the first, but therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Now, to, to know therefore, it's like there's a lot before that. There is a lot. This is the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. And so there is 19 other mini sermons before this. And so I thought we'll quickly, very quickly, just go over them, go through a few, but go home and read them. My talk will make a lot more sense when you study these things and you evaluate them and you weigh them and then it, it just applies to this. So please, there is some homework, but it will add value to you. So as we work through, the Beatitudes, that's an obvious one. It's like if we know them, they're really, Jesus is talking about things in our life that we, things that seem to be less, but the kingdom of God lifts up. And so if you read through that, that will make sense. But um, then we shift on to salt and light. Obviously, we are called to be salt and light. Um, you are the light of the world, and we are meant to be on a hill. And so once again, if we're looking at foundations, we should look to put our foundations up high so we can shine out. That is kind of my takeaway from that. But once again, please read it in more detail because I am not doing it justice. And there is a sermon on each one of what I am saying. Uh, fulfillment of the law. This is, this is beautiful when Jesus is kind of saying, hey, look, I'm not here to, to remove anything. He is here to, to make it make sense, to, to complete it. You know, before Jesus, I were, they had a law that, that was missing. It was missing a key component that made it all make sense. And now, with Jesus, he's saying, it makes sense because I make it make sense. And so, we want to, um, yeah, like, 
when we read the Bible now, it makes a lot more sense because we, when I read the Old Testament and I see Jesus in it, it, it makes sense to me. And so that's kind of what he's saying is now all these things that were like crazy are like, okay, there's a reason for it. Um, murder? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, murder. So, and this is where he starts to get a bit into the, into the spirit of things. It's like, you know, he talks about murder being, you know, before it was murder is murder. Now he's saying if you hate someone in your heart, you've committed murder. And now we're getting the foundation. Now we're going from what you do, what you did, to what your heart does. And when we talk about foundations, what our heart does is so important because, you know, we're moving from doing to feeling. And our foundations, feeling is important. Um, adultery, same thing. Before adultery was adultery. Now it is if you look lustfully, you're committing adultery. He's really bringing it back to say, hey, you were just being superficial, but your foundations are deeper. And so everything you do is deeper. And so that's kind of where that comes from. Um, divorce, once again, it's a... Uh, I won't delve too much into that one. Um, but it's fair to say, he says, anyone who divorces and gives a certificate, that used to be the process. Now he says, it's deeper than that. Divorces are breaking. It's a, it's a yeah, it's, it's a changing. And so Jesus talks about that and says, hey, this is more than just a bit of paper and off you go. And so we need to, we need to understand that. Um, oath, obviously, He's saying, don't give oath. That, that should be a biblical principle. Let a yes be yes and a no be no. But we shouldn't be swearing on anything because as Christians, our word should be our word. Um, eye for an eye. It talks about um, turning the other cheek. Obviously, we need to be... How do we put this? Yeah, we, we need to be humble enough to not be provoked. And the, you know, once again, a heart, that, that's a heart thing. You know, if our first reaction is to eye for an eye, then our heart is not right. You know, our foundation is not built on God because we're, we're, we're easily reactive, and that's a sign that our spirit isn't where it should be. Um, love your enemies. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm going to take a little second on this one because this, this hit me home for me. Now, if you have hate in your heart, pray for that person. I say this not so that they will be blessed, although I hope they are, I pray this for you because, and I've had this, I've been wounded and I've been broken and my way through was praying for the person who wounded me and but genuinely praying that, that they would see breakthrough in their lives and, their, and the health that mattered was to them. So it wasn't like I prayed that they would see my side, but genuinely pray because when you pray for someone, the Spirit of God comes on you and you are... You know, you are praying, you are, you are lifted, and uh, I, I can't explain it in a cohesive way, but I just know that for me, I was lifted, you know? Hating someone is like taking poison and hoping they get sick. That is the best example. Kim Button says that, and it could not be more true. And so if you have hate in your heart, pray for that person. Please, it will be the most, if nothing else, that will free you from so much. So um, we'll quickly wrap it through. Um, give to the needy. That seems self-evident. 
prayer. Once again, prayer, there is time for corporate prayer, but Jesus is pretty much doing a slap down to the Pharisees here, saying, look, if you're praying, pray at home. You know, pray in the quiet places. Don't, don't pray out loud. Don't boast and don't, you know, wear robes and just say loud, rambling prayers. But, you know, just, just pray to your God in secret. And, you know, in that, the Lord's Prayer is, and I love that, and there's about 10 sermons in that. So just it take time reading that because that's amazing in itself. But it speaks to your heart because if you're needing to boast, then you're looking for validation. You're looking for something that should be in your core. It shouldn't be something you get from other people. Um, fasting, once again, if you are fasting, and we are blessed in this church that we have people who fast, but you wouldn't know because they're not walking around like, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, I haven't eaten since like 10 o'clock. Oh. My, my wife fasts like that sometimes. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not supposed to, like, mock people without power, but I think she'll say that's a fair statement. <laughs> but Collins is like their food. <laughs> and, I, and I, for some reason, don't. I, I go days without eating, not for fasting. I just forget to eat, and it, I don't know why, and they can't understand me. I can't understand them. It's a, it's a mutual confusion on both sides. But we are blessed that we have people who fast, but they don't make a scene of it. They do it, they, you know, they converse with the Lord, and that's a beautiful thing. And I think as a church we should do more of that because, you know, there is such release and such power in fasting, you know. It's, it seems so, such a minor thing, you know. It seems like, why would this matter? But God just grabs it. He takes it and he just breaks things down with it, so... I encourage us all to fast more, or me to. It's an element I struggle with for some reason, but I need to grow in that. So, um, treasures in heaven. Obviously, where where we keep our our treasures is where our heart is. That's kind of the gist of what we're saying. And so, God's saying, if you're storing things on earth, your heart is on earth. You know, if you're storing things in heaven, your heart is in heaven. And so, we're going to look today about shifting your treasures from one to two. And how we go about that as well. Um, judging others, I'm a, I'm a shocker for this. But once again, this is a key sign that maybe your um, foundations aren't great. As if you see a speck in someone else's eye and you've got a big plank in yours and you're like, you know what, L- let me get that for you. They see the plank in your eye. It's like, it, it's, it's here for everyone to see. So we need to deal with ourselves before we deal with other people, which is... I'll quickly keep on keeping on. Sorry, there's a lot to cover, so I want to just get through quickly. Uh, Ask, seek, knock. Ask and you'll be given. Once again, that's pretty self-evident, but, you know, God gives good things is the gist of what he says. If we ask for bread, he's not going to give a stone. If Noah asks me for bread, he's getting bread. You know, if he wants a fish, he's getting a fish. He's not getting a steak because I love Noah and I'll give him anything he wants it. And so... I can only believe that God is a billion times more loving to me than I am to my son, which I can't fathom, but is true. And so if we ask for good things, we will get good things. Um, narrow, wide gates. Now, this, this is kind of going to dovetail into what we're talking about as well. It's like there's a narrow path that Christians walk. It's not easy, but 
It is the way. It is the way Jesus walked. It's the way we need to walk. And so many people these days do not walk that gate, you know. It's not the easiest path, but it is the path to freedom. Um, and then we go to true and false prophets and true and false disciples, which Paul preached on very well last week. So I, sh- I won't even bother covering that because he nailed it. So we'll, um, we'll move on then to um, the foundations, now that we've kind of got that out of the way. Um, so the rain came down, the streams rose up, the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because its foundations were on the rock. Now, I'm going um, to let us all just take a minute and just chat among each other and be like, who, the, the question is, who in the Bible do we think is a great example of having, having their foundations on the rock? And you can't say Jesus. That's the one exclusion because <laughs> that's an easy answer. But have a think amongst yourself and we'll kind of just bring it back. But just have a think and say, who is, who is someone who, who has their foundations on the rock? on the rock of God. So go there and then we'll come back in a minute. Right, who do we come up with? Anyone got any good ideas? Job. Was that mm, nice? You're a man after my own heart. Anyone else? Anyone got any other? They they were good answers. Yeah, he definitely did. (laughs) David. Now, a lot of those other people, it's interesting. It's like they, I was wrestling with this question, and they did and they didn't. Because, you know, when times got tough, they kind of, a lot of these people fell away before they came back. But Job, Job is the one that that I circle back to. So I'm going to quickly, we're going to quickly just touch on Job a little bit. Just going to go through his journey. I'm going to paraphrase a lot, but once again, read Job. It's a... I enjoy it, but it's a very sometimes theological book. So, but I think there's a lot of truth in there that, that I love because it speaks to it speaks to suffering and it speaks to our foundations so much. And so, effectively, Job lived in a land called Oz. It was a it's a great place. Don't just know that the name's amazing. So I thought we'll put it in there. Now he was blameless and upright in God's sight. So that was kind of God was proud of Job. Now one day the devil came in front before God with all the angels. And God's like, what are you doing here? And then he said, have you seen my, my servant Job? He's an upright man. And so God was proud of Job. God loved Job. And God saw Job for being a righteous man. And the devil said to him, of course he loves you. You've given him everything. You know, like... Everything he turns his hands to, he's blessed, you know. He has all these cattle, camel, 
You've given him a big family. You've given him everything. He wants for nothing. And God's like, righty You can take that from him. You can strip all of that from him and see what happens. And so the devil went away, and the Bible says that um, in this very, very short space of time, Raiders came and took his, all his ox and donkey, which he had a lot, and I imagine back then that was a, a wealthy thing to have. Um, fire, it's, it, the Bible says, fire from God fell from the heavens and burned up his sheep and servants. So at this point, when, God, when Job heard this, it's like, oh, God is attacking me. God is the one that's bearing down, whereas we know the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that the devil... God said that you may do these things to Job. It didn't say, I will do these things to Job. So whilst the Bible says fire from heaven fell, that is not a curse from God. That is a devil testing. Um, Raiders came and took his camels. And lastly, a mighty wind blew the four corners of his house where all his children were having a meal and the house fell down and they all died. Now Job found out one, two, four things and the Bible says, and when they finished, another servant came and told him. So I can only imagine the space of five minutes, he went from having everything, from his life being perfect, to his, his future being set out, to planning what to do with his grandkids when they came, to, to just enjoying the fruits of his labor, to being gone. Now, what did Job do? Now, I love the verse Job 1.21 because it is the most beautiful, beautiful expression of how we, can, how we can love God. You know, Job said, Naked I was born and naked I shall depart. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, he said this not when he was rich, profitable job. He said this when his family was gone, when, like, when his wealth was gone. Every part of security he had was stripped away. Now, if you want to know about your foundation, that is it. His house was gone. There was, the rock was just a rock and him clinging to it at this point. And he was just saying, you know, it's God's anyway. And so... If that's not how we're living, if that's not how today, if all that goes and you're on that rock and you're not saying that, then we've got some work to do because our foundation is not exactly where God calls it to be because that is a sign of a good foundation when everything goes and your response is, blessed be the name of the Lord. So um, we'll go on to um, verse 26. Now, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. Now, we already know what happens with the sand, but um, what I do find a bit interesting is that Jesus doesn't actually talk about the houses and how they look. He kind of just talks about a house. But I think when I was preparing this, God kind of prompted me that we are very meticulous sometimes about how we build our houses. And I know in the past, I've been very particular about the house I built, especially around Christian circles, because when I was new to Christianity, I wasn't, I wasn't your typical good Christian. And so, and a smiling a bit too much there. 
you're not wrong to smile. And it's like, so what I would do was, I would build this house up that looked like the perfect package. And I think, and now I, I call that now my mask. And I would put that on every time I went to church. I would put that on every time I interacted with Christians. I would put that on every time I had to, had to be around people who, who were godly or who could judge me for not being godly. But that wasn't me. Like, my foundation was on, well, he was in a swamp. Like, it was, and if we know anything about swamps in Christchurch, you don't build on them, do you? So, and, but the thing was that that was my life because I'd built it because I was embarrassed. And, you know, I'd built it because I'd sinned. And Romans 3.23 says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so I suspect if we had to examine our houses, there would all be elements of them that are more facade than structural. And I want to just touch on that because it's like, I think if we don't really deal with how we build our houses, we won't get to our foundations and we'll rob ourselves of so much. Because when I was, um, yeah, when I was like young, I said, I, I built my master. The why is um, quite important, you know. I would, I would live a life that was ungodly because I felt I didn't know God, you know. I felt like I'd come to church, but the shame and guilt of my life wouldn't allow me to actually experience God. So I, I sung to a God and I, I listened to sermons about a God who I hadn't experienced because I was blocking myself from that. It wasn't that God wouldn't come to me. It's just I'd built this wall, and so I wouldn't allow God through the wall. And also, I wouldn't allow people through the wall to help me. And so I think it's so key that we need to actually break down these walls. We need to actually, within reason and with people we trust, be honest about what we're going through. And I know my first touch of freedom was when I was talking to Mike Button. He is a man of God who, who I just love with all my heart. And he is a man who, it would be fair to say, has very few walls. He doesn't have a fight. He is who he is, and he is true to himself. And that was just so freeing to me to meet someone who, who wasn't like, I'm the perfect Christian, who wasn't like, I've got it all sorted, but was like, hey, I love Jesus, but I struggle with this. And if we can be like that as a church, that frees us. Because if we can be like that, that means that the devil can't come in and say, hey, these people are perfect, you're not. But we can say, hey, these people struggle with this, you struggle with this, let's get together, let's journey together, and let's all get freedom from that, because that is what God wants. And so today I want to speak over that, that we need to really break these things, because it just holds us back from the what God wants for us. And so we're going we're gonna to open up later on today down the front for prayer. And I'm going to be there because I'm, every time I preach, I'm the one who needs the most prayer, I promise you. But if that is you, come forward. You don't, you don't need to share what it is. You know, that should be between people you love and trust because, and also be, be mindful of who you share what to. I'll just put that out there because if you share the wrong thing with the wrong people, it can, it can be harmful as well. So make sure that don't just come to me and blurt everything. I like to think I'm trustworthy, but there will be better people in your lives 
to share these things. And so we need to be mindful that whilst we should share our share and build up each other, there should be an element of trust in that relationship. Yeah, so as I said, my foundations were not great. They were built on they were built on a swamp. They were built on the um well, I, I liken it here to my house of cars was built on a swamp, was what I used. And never has a truer statement been said in my life because there was a hurricane coming and I was not ready for it. But the beauty is that um the beauty is that when that comes and it shatters you, it's a chance to rebuild. It's a chance to actually take stock and um and really go from there. So let's move on to 27. And, um, uh, yep, so we'll move on to 27. The rain came down, the streams rose up, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And boy, did mine fall with a great crash, you know. Now, like, what are the signs our foundations aren't on a good rock? We remember that, we remember all the um, verses I put up first. Imagine them in reverse. <laughs> As effectively, if we're not doing those things, our house is not on a rock, you know. If we're hiding who we are, it's because our house is not on a good rock, you know. If we feel the need to, to hide, to, to, you know, to gloss over things, it means that our house is not on the good rock. Now, there'll be a balance. You may be 90% rock, 10% sand. You might be 90% sand, 10% rock. I'm not saying it's all or one. And we need to also deal with that, but we need to examine our foundations as Christians because that is literally what we stand on. And if we're going out and saying, hey, I love Jesus, follow me, and our foundations are sand, people see that. You know, people that outside look at us and say, well, I, I, I see what you're going through. But if we're strong, if they see us and we're going through absolute, like, the worst time and yet we're standing strong, People see that also. You know, I, I know, interesting, like, a side note, but the best conversation I've had with people at work is around money and Christians. And they like, do you really give 10%? And I say, yes. And that breaks through so much because I can tell them I love Jesus till the cows come home. I can tell them what he's done in my life, and they're just like, oh, yeah, that's nice. I can tell them I've seen someone get healed and a leg grow back, and they're like, oh, yeah. I tell them I give them 10% of my money. They're like, whoa. <laughs> you know, that, that changes them because they see that. That is something they can, that they, can tan- like, they can connect with. And same with foundations. If they see you going through something and being strong, that's connection. They can see that and they can be like, well, this, there's something here because you can say what you want, but when they see it, they can't deny it. And so that's why we're going to start to to work through the building up of foundations now because, um, yeah, that, that's really the goal. So my, in my class, it's like I was, my foundations were so bad that I was, um, yeah, I would, I would try and make myself feel better. You know, I would put people down. I would suppress people. I would be negative because that made me feel better. It's like, oh, everyone's as bad as I am. A moral equivalence of, well, they're bad, I'm bad, everyone's bad as opposed to, and of course that's toxic, because once again, it should be, hey, I'm bad, you're bad, let's grow together. And, um, and I would be, yeah, I, would, I was an absolute pest. I used to love sport. 
but I was at peace because I was good at it. And once again, that meant I could put people down. I could absolutely belittle people because it made me feel better. But once again, that's a sign my foundation had cracks. That wasn't anything to do with them. And I, feel, I do feel remorse for that. But it was just that I was flawed and I was scared and I was broken. And so I then transferred that onto other people. Now, of course, by this stage, it's not hard to assume that my self-worth was next to nothing. And so I was just, I was kind of, my house was built on sand. It was looked okay from the outside, but I said the storm was coming, and this was my storm. So I was about 20, 21, and um, I lost my job. That was the first thing that happened. And, I, and so my security was my job. That was my money. That was my future. I'd, I'd planned out my life. It normally ends up when you plan out your life, and it falls over. That's how these things go. But my life was planned out. I'm like, okay, I've got it sorted. I've got, lost my job. And then I got another job. And it's not to you sometimes change jobs that I realize that I wasn't as good as I thought I was at what I do. You know, I like to think I'm better now, but it's like I was, I was an apprentice who just got qualified and I thought I knew everything. And then I went to another job where I was an apprentice and I got smacked down and smacked down. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I lost my job. I got another one, but I'm not good at what I do anymore. So not only had I lost my job and then kind of come to a new job. Now my self-worth was being eroded by the fact that I couldn't do the job that I thought I was more than competent for. But, I mean, that's just life. And then, um, then I got overworked because the pressures of that job and not being good means I had to do more time. And it just started to spiral. Then I found out my dad had cancer. And that's a whole other thing. And he was a He'd left when I was 16 and kind of re reconnected when I was like about 20. And then all of a sudden, he was gone again. And so that was just thing after thing after thing. And it, it got to the point where, where this darkness just descended upon me. Where this, this, it felt like I was wading through mud. I couldn't get out from it. I couldn't move from it. it was, I was just trapped. And I ended up just pretty much having a breakdown. I ended up quitting my job. I ended up just not, not getting out of bed for like three months. I just, I couldn't do anything. You know, I was, I was stuck because I'd built my, I built my whole, I spent all my energy building this house, ignoring the foundations, and when it blew over, I couldn't, I couldn't hang on to anything. I didn't have God because I hadn't built that. I didn't have my house. I didn't have anything. And so I was just stuck dark. And I think some people today might be in that position. You might be in that position where you are stuck, where you've built up this facade and it may be starting to crumble. It may have crumbled, you know, it may have crumbled ages ago and you're still trying to hold this facade up. And I'm saying like, less today, let's deal with that. Because I know what it's like. I've been through it. And um, I know that um, I know that we have a God who can overcome. You know, we have a God who can rebuild. And my rebuilding started with um, my best friend's father. He, um, he's a counselor, and he, he came over one day and said, Matt, we've got to do something. You know, like, this is not okay. It's like, you've had three months. It's time to, it's time to join life again. And um, so I journeyed. And um, the biggest truth I think I found was... Um, 
where we get our self-worth from is important. You know, we have a mirror that we like to, to we see ourselves back from. Now we have two choices. Where that mirror can be people or that mirror can be God. Now, if that mirror is people, that is a very, very dangerous place. Because has anyone been to a, like those um, theme parks where you get the wavy mirrors or the bendy? Yeah, that's what you get back. People are not perfect mirrors. We are, we are flawed. And, so, and as I said before, I would lash out other people because I was hurt. So if you were getting your self-worth from me, you weren't getting it because I was trying to make you like me. And that's not what we want to be. And so I was trying to get my self-worth through people. And what I was getting back was just wasn't what I needed. And then um, when I was getting it from God, um, I, got a, um, I got a completely different picture. All of a sudden, I'm loved. You know, All of a sudden, all these things that seemed important weren't because God loved me. You know, and the Bible says that um, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, fearfully and wonderfully translates in Hebrew to mean with great reverence, heartfelt interest, and with respect. And wonderfully means unique and set apart. Now, when you start hearing that, that changes everything. You know, it's like when over here you're like, people are telling me that, oh, you're not good because you can't do this. God's saying, I made you perfect. You know, I made you how I want to make you. Now, I struggle because I am not the quintessential Christian. My, my makeup isn't probably what most people would because of my upbringing and everything else. I struggle. And so I'm like, well, I see like, say Mike Collins. You know, I see him and I see him as the quintessential Christian. I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just saying, I'm saying like that. You see a man, a godly man like that, you think, why am I not that? And then this whole warped mirror comes in and say, oh, well, I'm not that, I'm not this, I'm not this. But God's saying, hey, wait, you're not this, you're this. And you may think, hey, I'm not mad. Be thankful. And I'm not at the front or I'm not doing this, but that's fine because if you're looking here, it's a problem. If you're looking at God, you're like, no, but I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And so... We're going, to, um, we're going to open up the front very soon and get the band up because we're going to do some prayer. We're going to do some work because we need to start rebuilding our foundations. We need to start saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made and not whatever people have been telling you your whole life because that is the truth of God and that is what we need to get today. Now, in wrapping up, um, yeah, another, another verse that really just sung out to me is we are all made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 27. You know, we were made in the image of God. We weren't like made after the image of God. We weren't like, oh, God kind of made us like Him. We were made in His image. So we were made to be perfect. We fell, but we were made to be perfect. And so we need to do some work to get back to that. But God loves us. And if I can do it, you can do it. So what we'll do is we'll get the band to sing some songs. Um, I'm going to be at the front. I will gladly pray with anyone who wants it. And uh, the prayer team will be up here. And so please come forward because this is something that will change your life. This changed my life. And that's all I can say is I was broken and now I have the freedom to be who I am meant to be. So please 
come forward if you feel it, if you're feeling like you need prayer, and we will pray for you happily. Thank you, church. Love it when